This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to the Friday edition of Kelly and Ramya. I'm Ramya Amadin. And I'm Danielle McLaughlin. And we both join you from Toronto on February 24th, 2023. And this marks a very significant occasion, Danielle. It's the one-year anniversary of Russia's war on Ukraine. And I wanted... Uh, um, it's really a sad anniversary. But I think that um, putting aside, if we possibly could, all the losses and the terrible things that have happened to the people who live in Ukraine... And to be fair to so many Russian soldiers who've lost their lives, mm. many many of whom hadn't really expected to find themselves fighting on the front of a war. Some of them were prisoners, for example, and suddenly were given uh, a, a choice that was no choice at all. Um, I just feel that it's amazing how well Ukraine has survived for an entire year with this horrifying onslaught. Uh, thanks in part to uh, its allies around the world, um, but also the strength of the Ukrainian people and the people who have just determined that there is no way that their country will disappear or be mm. subsumed into Russia. So, you know, it, 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 when we've seen Biden uh, going to Ukraine this past week, we've seen other world leaders uh, stepping up. The, you know, the prime minister of Spain was there a couple of days ago, and people are all you know, finding ways to help support Ukraine. And, you know, I have to say that this may may sound terrible, but, you know, Canada has really benefited in that we have received so many Ukrainian refugees. And these are yes. people who are going to contribute to our country. And, uh, you know, I'm sure most of them would love to go home. But in the meanwhile, we're very lucky to have them. Uh, so much collaboration, so much support, as you mentioned, Danielle. Just over this year on our show, we've spoken to business owners, collaborators, people who have taken on initiatives to support in any way and every way and to spread the word on how others can support and how we can personally um, you know, try to help during this really rough time. But as you said, uh, Ukrainians seem to be standing very strong and this year marks more for them uh, than it would for anybody else outside the country, you know, to the the moment, to this minute of things going on over there and stress and um, just all kinds of horrible acts. But at the same time, hope and love are two of the things that I'm seeing all over uh, to mark this day. I, I agree with you. Um, it is, in my opinion, tragic that wars like this yes. still exist but they do and you know as strange as it sounds sometimes you have to fight in order to have peace mm -hmm. so you know that is i think what is going on i believe that is what is going on but uh you know a shout out to the strong people of ukraine and hope that they will continue to hold strong as as they are doing right now Let's now find out what's coming up on the Friday edition of Kelly and Rumia as we move into the two-hour show. 
Samsung is one of the topics we're going to discuss on our app update with John Beeler. They say that they're going to be, you're going to be able to clone your voice to respond to calls. John Beeler is going to tell us more about that. Sounds cool. Yeah. Our own Susan Kearney discusses how we can prep our indoor plants as they wake up from their winter sleep. Also, Ryan Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf is welcoming two guests today, author Josh Riddell and narrator Torian Brackett of Please Report Your Bug Here. I'm really looking forward to that conversation uh, as Ryan leads this interview and conversation between these two guests. Uh, He's got so much, so many questions to ask them. Okay, let's get into some uh, horrifying things going on around North America, Police say a suburban Chicago woman was run over and her two-year-old son temporarily abducted by a thief who stole her SUV. A two-year-old is safe, found in Waukegan, Illinois, after a car theft with the toddler inside. Police say a pregnant woman pulled into her driveway with two kids in the car. She said she took one inside, and when she was coming back out, a white BMW pulled up. Someone jumped out and fought her before stealing the car with the other child inside her VW. As the suspects fled, the woman, who police say is six months pregnant, was run over by either her car or the getaway car. She suffered serious injuries, but she was able to call 911. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. I know I'm breaking my own rule when I bring this kind of thing to the table on a Friday, but it's just absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Uh, and it reminds me of the news story from Milton not too long ago. I think it was either early this week or late last week of another woman who was yanked out of her car for a, a vehicle jacking. And that I was like, so strange. Why is it so dramatic like these you know you used to hear more stories about people coming out and finding their cars stolen but now you're finding heinous acts of violence uh and it's terrifying danielle it's terrifying um i know that in other countries south africa being one carjackings are quite common in fact they even have devices installed in cars to prevent them Mm. but I don't know if this helps at all, Ramya, but the crime rate is going down. Um, You know, we we may feel that we are not safe, but, you know, if you look at it statistically, things have got better. This one is a terrifying one, though. I can't even imagine. Yes. I mean, it it feels uh, kind of ironic to say that the crime rate is going down, and yet the stories we're hearing seem much more on the wow factor. Okay, taking a break, and maybe we can ease off the scary stuff and get into some interesting conversations. Uh, Fern Lullum, I mean, I guess they're all interesting. Fern Lullum is joining us on a Friday. We're talking about low employment rates in the UK for people with disabilities. We'll be right back. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramya on a Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining us on AMI. And I'm Ramya Amuthan. Daniel McLaughlin is also joining me. Kelly McDonald is wrapping up his week of vacation, and he's going to take one more on a Monday. It's funny how he does that after blaming other people for doing it before and saying, why would you do that? Bill Shackleton. That's who he would uh, get on about taking an extra day in the following week. 
Yes, Kelly just right. has too many days that he doesn't know what to do with. <laughs> oh, R. Kelly. What can I say? I'm just glad he's getting a little time off. Well-deserved. He works hard. <laughs> and you get to well, step in. <laughs> and I get to step in. What could be more fun than that? <laughs> uh, right now, Ramya, it's time to chat with our friend from the United Kingdom, Fern Lum, on a Friday. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Hello, Fern. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. It's lovely to be speaking to you, having a girly Friday. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? And and, <laughs> and I think some, somehow we deserve that. It's, it's such a treat to be able to to have you with us today. And uh, I know that you've got lots of stuff to talk about and important stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so today I wanted to talk about disability and jobs because I know that in the UK, as I think with many countries, unfortunately, in the world, the unemployment rate is so much higher amongst disabled people than non-disabled people. So I really thought this was a good topic to have a chat about today. Oh, absolutely. Yes, certainly true in Canada. And uh, you know, a logical place to start is uh, recruitment. Um, do you think procedures used there could be made more accessible? Absolutely. There are definitely some, there's definitely some work to do, let's say, on recruitment procedures, even from the point of applying for a job. You know, the first step, you, you sort of build yourself up and you think, what can I do? And then you get to the application process and sometimes the forms that you have to fill in just aren't accessible to you. You know, either they don't work with your voiceover or if you struggle with reading, it can be really hard. And that's really tough because you just feel like you're falling at the first hurdle. You know, you haven't even applied yet, let alone got to the interview stage and you're already being held back. And I just think that can really knock people's confidence before they even get off the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very now, specific. If, if that were your experience, would you phone the employer and tell them that their application process is um, actually excluding people, including you? Yeah, I think I probably would. And I think it's a good idea to do that because a lot of times it is just lack of education and people just aren't thinking about it. They're not, you know, they're not doing it on purpose, but they just haven't put that thought in. But I think the trouble is not everyone feels confident enough to do that. And like I say, if your self-esteem takes that hit, then you might just think, oh, well, it's just not meant to be. You know, I'm, this is my lot in life and I can't get a job. Right. Yeah, which is so yeah. unfair to start from that mindset. Um, but, you know, in Canada, I'm almost afraid to say it feels like accessibility is trending a little more. People are thinking about it a little more, especially with accessible documents and social media. But I, I hope that it trends upwards. What's been your own experience being like, Fern, with recruitment? It's been a bit of a rocky road, to be honest. I have always made it clear that I've got a disability before I've gone to an interview, but I have had some specific interviews where I've been asked to do certain tasks that require me to read things like small, really small text or use a certain computer that I'm just not used to and it doesn't have any accessibility features. Mm -hmm. And also I've been asked lots of questions about my disability. So, you know, we all go in there and we're presenting our best talents and all of the experience that we 
we've got in this job and why we'd be perfect for the role. And then the interviewer turns to you and asks you some questions and you're hoping that it's going to be about anything that you've just mentioned about how wonderful you are, because that's what we all do in interviews. Right. And a lot of the time, all they're asking is, but what about your site? You know, will you be able to do this? And one one interviewer asked me, will you be able to get here in the morning though? Because I know you don't drive. And you just think, I could have just sat here and told you anything. And all yeah. you care about is the fact that I can't see. That's really disappointing. I'm sorry to hear that. What's your opinion of specialized coaching to help disabled people into work? Well, I think it's something that personally I have struggled with a little bit in the past because I just didn't like the idea of kind of segregation, the fact that, you know, I mm -hmm. need to go to somewhere special to have it. But I think it it can have its place. And I think when it's done well, it can be good. But I think it's very important that we look at every person's situation because I had experience where I was kind of lumped in with a lot of people um, and in order to, to even have any sort of coaching I had to go through a course where I had to learn how to dress for an interview and um, write a CV and at that stage in my life I'd already done all of those things so mm. not that that's not yeah. helpful for anyone but for me it just wasn't and I think it just needs to be more targeted to an individual situation rather than just saying across the board, this is what everyone with a disability needs. Cause we know that that's not true. We're all so different, aren't we? Yeah, of course. Oh, right. And on different stages of employment, uh, hopefully, right? Like maybe some of us do have professional experience and uh, some of us do have the confidence. We just need, you know, particular assistance in navigating the interview or something like that uh, versus somebody else who needs help from the beginning, like the mm. resume, as you mentioned. But let's say, Fern, you've been recruited. Uh, do you think that people, employers, still focus on the what you can't do rather than the what you can do? And have you experienced that side of it at that phase? Unfortunately, I think there is a tendency to do that. I was in an admin role for a lot of my early years when I first got into work. And I think there was very much a tendency to just be like, okay, well, you're in this role. And I had to do a lot of computer work. And I feel like there were opportunities where I could have used my wonderful communication skills. I mean, you get to see them all the time. You uh -huh. lucky, lucky people. Every other um, week. And, I, and they just weren't using that they weren't saying what can you do and what are you good at and let's make the most of that it was kind of like really struggling to do these things and how can we support you with that but it was kind of focusing on the wrong area and making me feel even worse about myself because this wasn't my talent this wasn't my forte and it just wasn't being used in the right way you get slotted into something because somebody else has decided what you can do i think that's awfully disappointing mm -hmm. um do you think that disabled people in work believe they're fairly treated in terms of getting the adjustments or the accommodations they need and also, really importantly, being considered for promotion? Now, I heard a recent UK charity did a survey and the majority, very, very high amount of disabled people in the UK said that they didn't feel that they were being fairly considered for promotions alongside their non-disabled colleagues. And I mm -hmm. think, sadly, the proof of that is when you think about leaders, you know, how many CEOs do you know that are blind or visually impaired or disabled in some right. other way? There, yeah. there are some and, you know, they are out there, but it's very few and far between. Yeah. And I think that, again, it's, oh, you know, we're, we're going to protect you. We'll slot you into this job, but we're not going to let you do anything else because we know you can do this. And gosh, what will happen if we try you on something new? I, I think that's 
very troubling. Yeah. You know, having this conversation reminds me of the Young Leaders Program in Canada uh, with the Fighting uh, Fighting Blindness Canada organization. And the conversations we have as young people who are professionals, who have work experience and who really want to know the answers to these questions. You know, how can I get promoted? How can I uh, put myself out there? And when you're really dealing with employers who are thinking, oh, shouldn't you be happy you got a job? Or I found you through this, yeah. you know, agency who helps people with disabilities find jobs and you're getting some kind of subsidy or uh, in, in like award reward from it. And that's pretty much it. You're filling, checking the boxes and filling in spots, which is not great. But if we were to look at it from a more positive angle, Fern, yes. have you experienced employers who do focus on what you can do rather than what you can't? I absolutely have. And I know I've mentioned recently that I've started doing a bit of audio description work lately. Mm -hmm. And a lot of employers will want you, if you do audio description work, to write the script and also narrate. And so personally, for me, writing the script is something that I find difficult just because of my sight and seeing the screen and, and I just haven't mastered that side of it. And so it's been really good to see some employers who are very open to having blind narrators on their team. And mm -hmm. they will just say, okay you can just narrate and do that side of the job i.e the bit that you're good at the bit that you feel comfortable with doing and so it gives you that opportunity without the need to have to do everything the bits that you can't do it really focuses on your strengths and it makes you feel much better about yourself right fair enough now um you know some employers worry that disabled people need special equipment to do their work and they are concerned about that adding to their costs is there help for that in the UK? There is. So there's a scheme called Access to Work in the UK, which provides a lot of support financially for people, because I do think that's a huge concern when it comes to employers making that decision is, oh, you know, how much money is this going to cost me? Is this actually going to do my business harm rather than good in employing mm -hmm. this person? But also, I think it's important to say that some reasonable adjustments don't cost anything at all. So like changing a work pattern or just, you know, making a, a parking place for somebody in, in a car park, it doesn't necessarily have to cost lots of money but yes right. if, if it does cost money there is support for that too so i think it's just about learning about what is out there and what support is available just to kind of assuage that fear of, of employers yeah and bridging the gap right and speaking of bridging the gap i think that all three of us around the table here agree that collaboration and uh, conversation and all of this between Disabled people and non-disabled people is very important. So what advice do you have, Fern, for non-disabled team members about interacting with colleagues who have disabilities and making them feel part of the team? I would just say talk to them, just ask them things. I think one of the biggest things, and I'm sure we've talked about this so many times before, but is just that a lot of people when they are faced with somebody with a disability just think, oh God, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to offend them. And that fear of you know what's going to happen stops them from saying anything or they're trying to find out from somebody else that they know how should I treat this person and of course like I've just said we're all completely different so actually it just takes that vulnerable conversation to say you know what what can I do for you how can I help you what do you need and also the other thing I would say is really thinking about how can I include this person and make them feel comfortable because when it comes to you know I don't know outside events you might sort of meet up with people outside of work if that's just between you or a team 
team day or something like that. Mm -hmm. Really think about what activities are you doing there? Are you doing things that are making everyone feel included and like they can take part? Or are you making somebody feel really awkward because they're thinking, oh God, I'm blind and we're going bowling, for example. (laughs) And how am I going to do that? So great that you picked bowling, by the way. (laughs) Danielle's favorite activity. (laughs) Yeah. To be honest with you, I, I I don't think vision really helps a lot with bowling, but that's just, that's just me. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> I, I I think the first question is, what do you take in your tea? I, you know, after that, I think very it, you important. Know, treating, and what cake do you have? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, treating people like people—that there's a start. Um, could you put into words what being in work means to you as someone with a visual impairment, Fern? I think it means a lot, especially like we've said, when you're doing something that you're really passionate about and you feel that you really are playing to your strengths. I think then it really helps with your self-esteem and makes you feel like I have so much value and worth in this and people can see that. And now I can really shine and I can bring lots to a team and I can bring things to my employer, but also I'm getting something, I'm getting so much from doing this job and it it just changes so much and makes you feel so fulfilled. And, uh, you know, we can't forget that employers need to know the benefits that they derive from hiring Mm. people with disabilities and the lived experience. I I think that you've got, I wish we had another half hour to talk about this, Fern. You've so much to say and, and so many important things to tell us. Um, I really thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on. Have a lovely show. You too. Fern Lullum joins us for UK Disability Highlights, usually every other Thursday. After the break, we're talking about Samsung saying that we can clone our voices now to answer calls. Uh, we'll find out more about that and everything else on our app update with John Beeler. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. You know, today's the last day before winter solstice or whatever uh, that we, the, no, for the le- next eight months, I take it back, okay. Today's the last day for the next eight months that the sun will set before 6 p.m. Did I say uh-huh. that right? I okay. think so. Yes. So after, after, today, after today, the sun will, yes. it, the sun will be sitting, will be setting after 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. For the next eight <sighs> months. Isn't that, Isn't that nice That's to think so about? Nice. I know. So sometimes, nice. Sometimes I just, just before sunset, I go outside just so that I can get that the last the few last rays. little bit i know yeah oh. <laughs> i know, <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's even nicer to think about because we have until june 21st 22nd 23rd for the longest days right but yes. from now till june we can still enjoy a bit of sun in the five o'clock hour going uh, into the six o'clock lovely. hour it is it is it means oh, that beautiful. after the show you can still go outside yes such a, before we play it again at uh, what time does the, the show 10 p.m. Play? Mm-hmm. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Lots Excellent. of time. I'm Ramia Then Danielle McLaughlin is also here, and we are the hosts of Kelly and Ramia today. Let's now talk app update with John Bueller. Hi, I'm John Bueller, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We cover the gamut. 
Don, we have lots of stuff to get into. Let's start with Spotify. I'm kind of excited about this, I think. Uh, its new AI DJ will talk you through its recommendations. How is this working out? Yeah, this is an interesting new feature that's launched in the US and Canada for premium subscribers. And uh, I don't know if you've used on Apple Music, you know, you can you can ask Siri to, you know, play me some music that I would like mm. and it'll create a custom radio station based on the types of music that you've interacted with. Spotify has something kind of similar but it's never been quite as good apparently. And so now they have this new service called DJ. And what's really interesting about this is it kind of does all the same things I just mentioned about Siri like it'll give you some selections of music based on your your likes and preferences, but it actually has an AI generated voice DJ that will talk you through and announce what's coming up as if a real DJ is on the line oh, giving custom recommendations just for you. Okay, but wow. th this is not going to lead to then, you know, commercials or other different things, right? Or premium. I don't want to do that. That's ads. right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm a little torn about this feature because, you know, you're you're paying for premium. You're you're trying to get rid of ads and any talking. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people that actually like DJs talking over their music or through their music. Um, but it's an interesting aspect for people that's maybe long for those, you know, the typical radio drive time that we might have had uh, in the past. Um, that they actually want to know what the artist is without having to look at their phone because maybe their phone's not even in front of them, um, those types of things. And what's really interesting is they've actually voice modeled one of their uh, DJs that used to host a show on Spotify. Oh, yeah? And essentially all of the audio you hear is completely synthetic. Okay, so that goes back to our, um, what did we talk about the other day with Michael Babcock? Uh, something 11, where you can... <laughs> record your voice and then it does everything for you. Now, I do like the aspect of not picking up my phone in the middle of a vibe playlist and knowing what's going to come up or uh, all that. But I'm curious about skipping through because one thing about on-demand listening is we can skip through whatever we don't like. So do we know how the DJ is going to react to that? Well, it sounds like you actually have a button that you can press. I don't think it's a voice command you can use, mm -hmm. but maybe it is. I haven't actually been able to try this feature myself yet. Okay. And essentially what it'll do is the DJ will say, okay, we're going to change it up a bit and go to this instead. And it'll try another mix that it thinks you might like. Okay. But you can't skip through song by song in the mix. Well, we I may. I think you can, yeah. Okay, I great, think it's great. just like regular Spotify. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. I know that... Um... When I listen to Spotify with my granddaughters, we ne almost never get through a whole song because they say, oh, that reminds me, you'll like this. And we get to the <laughs> next song. <laughs> I wonder if the DJ would start getting insulted after a while. <laughs> start yelling at you. Uh, and speaking of yelling at you, um, Samsung says users will be able to clone their own voices to respond to calls. And how is that going to work? Yeah, this is a new feature they've just launched in Korea to start, but it's apparently coming to the rest of the world soon. Um, and it's for people that use Bixby, their mobile assistant. And essentially what it allows you to do is train Bixby to sound like you using some prompts. And then if you ever get a call that you can't answer, because maybe you're on a a work call or something else, you can actually text your response to that call saying, you know, like leave it on the doorstep or whatever. And it'll actually say it in your voice, which is oh, really wow. creepy, but kind of cool at the yeah. same time. I see a murder mystery in our future, right? I mean, that sounds like that's definitely part of the plot, but he said he was home. 
exactly. Oh my goodness. Now, is this sort of like the old-fashioned sampling, where you know they the 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 um, technology would take a sample of a sound and then use it in many different ways? Does it sample your own voice and then? uses it to, you know into different aspects of the voice I, I don't really know how that works yeah I, I I'm not in Korea so I'm not able to test this feature right now but right. it sounds like what it's using is uh you 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 train the model so that it knows what what you sound like so you're probably going to be given a, a number of prompts that you have to say out loud to teach uh. it uh, different intonations and those types of things and then the AI will synthesize your voice not unlike the DJ that we just talked about is a completely synthetic voice based on an actual person. This will be based on actually you, and it'll take into account maybe some of your mannerisms or your cadence, those types of things that the AI will pick up on and replicate completely synthetically. Wow. So eventually, with this sort of technology, you'll be able to read, have a book read to you out loud by your own voice. Oh, yeah. It's Imagine. already there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's it, no it eventually. Yeah, no, that's right. As soon as you can think of it, it's being done, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. It gives new meaning I, to, um, I'll have my people talk to your people because <laughs> your AI bot will talk to Ramya's AI bot and they'll have a conversation that we're not going to be a part of. That's right. A little wee bit creepy, isn't it? Yeah, just a little. Um, but John, when you say that this thing will respond back in your voice, is it answering the call or is it like leaving uh, an audio text message kind of thing that's a really great question it sounds like it actually has the capability because it is ai to actually respond to that call yeah so like pick up an answer on behalf of you yeah wow. presumably your caller id will let you know what kind of incoming call it is so you're not going to answer just a random unknown caller um but say it's like your doordash driver calling for more directions or something like that you still have the ability to sort of customize your response but mm -hmm. again um, I haven't been able to try this yet. I'm really curious about what those nuances are and what the limitations actually are for this. Yeah. Well, I can just imagine what you can feed into it at, to respond to junk <laughs> calls. You know, those terrible calls you get right at <laughs> dinner time. And <laughs> that's one of the it. that's one of the use cases for this is you can keep spammers on the line for hours with this. <laughs> I'm actually kind of liking this now. Uh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> something more and more useful john yeah i wonder though if we can like use um call and response you know like the person is talking and we're just texting back in our voice but having a full conversation dialogue yeah i, I think that's probably realistically how this is going to work because yeah. you're going to have to know what's being asked exactly and the ability to text a response fascinating almost a like a take on tty you know it's really interesting yeah uh, can we talk Facebook and Instagram? I don't know who is going to be excited about this, but they're testing selling blue checks for $12 a month. That's $12 too much, if you ask me. Yeah, well, this is a looked at as a, a copycat of Twitter's business yeah. model of charging you $8 US to have verification, which uh -huh. isn't even really verification. You're just subscribing for this little check mark. They claim that you're going to have more things like less advertising or no advertising, prioritize customer support, those types of things. And so Facebook and Instagram are now offering this service as well. Um, the, the one thing I do think that this might um, do, because it sounds like Facebook is actually um, 
you're, you're required to, as part of this verification process, to upload a government ID. So in theory, you actually have to be a real person with a real account. Um, this might cut down on the, the spam accounts and the bot accounts that you might see on Facebook, Facebook Marketplace, uh, any of the Facebook groups that you're a part of. And so I think having this ability to actually be a real account might be worthwhile in the long run. But I think it's a little too early to say if anyone's actually going to pay this fee, because Honestly, these are the things that we've had for years for free. Mm -hmm. We're kind of used to having the advertising. It's like cable TV. You're just kind of used to it. Um, but I think if there's some serious benefits of being able to weed out all of the non-verified uh, accounts, depending on your usage of Facebook and Instagram, this might be worthwhile. Kind of but like what John Twitter was supposed to be. Uh, John, this is very worrying. If Facebook and Instagram now have access to your government ID, I mean, if if you have to, uh, you know, present government ID for these previously free apps, um, you know, what are they going to do with that information? Because you you know, as soon as they have it, that it becomes a commodity. So this this is quite troubling. Uh, if people think, oh, all I, you know, I I you know, I get a a nice little blue check and fewer commercials in exchange for them, you know, having access to my name, my address, my, uh, you know, and other information that might be on your driver's license or in your passport. I, I, I would be very worried. Well, I, I think one of the, the questions that I have very similar to yours is if I give you this information, do I never get targeted advertising again? And am I opted out of all of those services that you're currently using to basically cover the costs of your free users yeah that's, so what, that's what it sounds like that's what the business model yeah. sounds like to me yeah because a lot a lot of people have said for a long time i love your service i would pay for it to get rid of the ads or the targeting or you know the bots and other things like that and this again i'm very utopian talking long term this could be a way of filtering out all the garbage from these services. Um, but it also becomes a barrier for entry then because people would have to be able to afford that. Yeah. 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 And also if you're paying for it with your privacy, that's a big price. You know, it's yeah. not just the $12 a, a month. And, you know, as our, our friend um, Brenda McPhail, who's been on with us a few times, has, has said, if if the price is low, it's because you're the product. Right. You know, and... and I would be, you know, I we've seen misuse of private information before and and selling of private information before. I would think long and hard before agreeing to doing something like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be for everybody, but again, they're sort of testing this out right now to see if you know, what are the caveats? What's the uptake? Uh, I, can, I believe they're currently testing it in Australia and New Zealand and probably rolling out to other countries over the coming months. $12 a month is not cheap. That no, is a no. lot of money to fork over to Facebook and Instagram. I, I can't believe that that's where they would start. Yeah, it, it seems like something Maybe. only a business would do. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah like, and, I don't know. And, and businesses have somewhat uh, lower expectations of privacy. I mean, I have to say that even the cloning your voice um, is a little bit worrisome if that's something that, that yeah. they have access to and can that be used in ways that you aren't aware of when you, you first do that. You know, I, I have to say that 
my 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 privacy antennae are up. I'm a little worried about these things, but that's really interesting, John. Thank you so much. All right, John, we will talk to you next Friday. Always great to talk to you both. Same time, same place. John Beeler joins us for our app update on Fridays, and we talk everything tech. And if you have any comments on anything he's talked about, then reach out to the show because um, we've always put in our opinions. All right, after the break, we're checking in with Bill Shackleton. He has the buzz with Bill, as we always do Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays to end off the first hour. We'll be right back with that. This is Kelly and Ramia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back. You're tuned into Kelly and Ramya on AMI. Thanks for joining us. AMI-tv, AMI-audio, we appreciate you being here. And if you missed any of today's show as we uh, kind of wrap up the first hour here with our next segment, you can, of course, Revisit the conversations on your favorite podcast platform by searching for Kelly and Ramia. I'm Ramia Amuthan. Daniel McLaughlin is also here. And now it's time for us to check in with Bill Shackleton. He's uh, one of our producers here at AMI. And he joins us for the Buzz with Bill, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Billy, how's it going? Going good. Yeah. Going good. Awesome. You ready to talk to us about some of the articles you brought? Well, we're going to go from face masks, and I and I know you're going to love the next story after that. It's about a, a dog that was rescued. Um, we love those kind of stories. We do. Um, yeah. Are we going to cry? Okay, fine. Uh, Am I, I going to cry? Maybe. Okay. You may. You better be ready. And then we have a third story about an alligator that was rescued. Oh, oh. boy! I hope you can. I hope you Uh-oh. can. Uh, yeah, it's gonna get us yeah. all feeling all sappy and stuff on a Friday. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're all they all have happy endings. Um, oh, good. <laughs> this uh, first one, this first one is really cool. Um, it's basically use face masks. Used face masks get a second life thanks to Regina engineer. So CBC News brings us this story. Um, so basically, researchers uh, researchers are saying that hundreds of billions of these. You know, single-use masks are just lying in the landfill or lying in garbage cans or wherever. Um, A engineering student from Regina has turned her attention to basically how what what can these things be used for. So basically, she has come up with a method. So what she does is she dries them. um, Well, she basically leaves them alone make sure the viruses have all dissipated, um, mm-hmm. then removes all the metal. So, you know, the the, the, the metal at the top and, the, and of mm-hmm. these things. And then, um, basically, she mixes, well, she cuts them into strips. She puts them into, puts them into a shredder. And it basically, the shredder, um, it comes out as some sort of a fluffy material, as the article said. She mixes that with sand and old tires and puts them in a convection oven uh, for 200, on 200 degrees Celsius um, for two hours. And the resulting material 
depending on how hard it is, can be used from countertops to paving blocks. So, oh, I was wondering where this was going. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> well, right. Well, she. You know, I think this makes so much sense because, uh, you know, there are, if you look down at the ground, um, face masks have taken over from cigarette butts. Yes. They're yes. everywhere. Yeah. You know, they're in parks, they're on the sidewalk, they're in the middle of the road. So if she's able to gather these things together and turn them into something useful, that's wonderful. I, you know, right on. Yeah. I've heard paving blocks. I've heard chalkboards. I've heard rulers. There huh. seems to be, depending on, like, I guess sometimes it's brittle, sometimes it's not uh -huh. when it comes out. But cool. there's no end to what she's doing with these things. I wonder how textured it feels. Like, you know how you can get, um, not quartz, but granite tops, countertops, yeah. and you can feel really just like the grooves and, and bits and pieces of it. I bet you could texture it any way you like. I mean, uh -huh. if she's putting sand and old iron. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it said olive oil to, to pull it all yes, together. Yes, olive oil. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could probably, you know, change the how you mix it. I, I, sounds very, very fine. I wonder if we'll see things for sale that advertise that they're made from old face masks. And if people will say, I don't think I want something I made know. from an old face mask. Yeah. Or if they'll say, what a great idea. Hard it to definitely know how, how sounds like at the beginning, you know, you're like, ugh. But, yeah. but by the end of it, it does sound just like one step up from a DIY project at home, a craft yeah. project. Well, I, I think, you know, once it goes through the shredder in the oven, the vi any virus is dead on it. I, I oh, mean, sure. if it isn't, it would be. I would think so. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. hope. Well, that's yes. why the process is important, right? Like you broke down the process before even getting to the product. And I was like, why? Yeah. But it makes much, a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess you can boil it before you do anything or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Billy, I'm dying, I'm dying to know about the dog. Can you tell us about the dog? Ah, uh, yes. Once tortured by criminals, Mexican oh. survival dog um, looks to win top pet contest mm -hmm. so from reuters so in mexican it's pronounced paid lemon or the, or lemon pie is the name of the dog oh she was a two-year-old that was rescued the, the, the from a dumpster in mexico and they figure that criminals basically tortured her and her two front legs were totally destroyed so oh she found love at a shelter and basically what um sorry i got an information from a silly thing um <laughs> yeah um so anyway she is they want her to take part in the and the um the on a contest that would give her five, i believe at $5000 and she would be in um, Amer um, American Dog Dodger magazine. If she wins it, American so actually, dog. it's kind of nice. Yeah, there, there are so many rescue dogs out there now. My my neighbor rescued a dog from Mexico as well, and it was in pretty rough shape when it arrived here. And now it's pretty much the most popular dog on the street. It it oh. it was terrible. It was terrified of men, and they wondered. They you know, obviously the dog couldn't tell them, but they wondered if it had been harmed by yes. 
by men when where it lived in Mexico as well. And it sounds like this this dog too. Um, but now they the the people on my street who own this dog, um, they love it. The dog clearly loves them. He she wouldn't go near the 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 husband for quite a long time. And now they're real buds. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's nice to to have those happy stories. And mm-hmm. with this dog, it could it could win the 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 prize from yeah, Dogster Magazine. Yeah, Dogster Mag. Dogster, Dogster Magazine. Mag. <laughs> yeah, two page two page spread, and a bit wow. of money. Uh, so the contest is basically open to um, uh, pets on the American content. But it seemed it sounds like they're making an exception for her because well, she's they from should. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He deserves well, it. it. Hey, yeah. Mexico is in North America. Why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you talked about the the other dog too, Danielle, and it reminds me of just how rescue dogs, like when you adopt a dog at at all from a shelter, um, you never know the traumas that they've gone through, right? That's the right. Violence yeah. or otherwise, not even things like the breed um, necessarily. Yeah, you don't know anything about anything. them. Anything. You take them to the vet and hope the vet can tell you how old they are or something. something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you don't know specifically like what they've gone through. You have yeah. no idea, so you don't know what their tendency will be like. Maybe they can go years being okay and then show signs of fear or aggression because of things that they've gone through in the past. Um, but it's so nice to see human beings who are patient with these animals and want to help them out and are, are able to, like, you know, re- um, adjust their the the dog's lives. Yeah, yeah, right. So and, nice. Yeah. And I have to say that lemon pie is an awfully good name for I a know. dog. <laughs> that is like so that. cute. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Now you have to tell us about the alligator. Mm-hmm. We, we're dying to know about the alligator. From dogs <laughs> to alligators. Alligator pulled from New York Lake, um, swallowed a bath top stopper which is oh <laughs> i don't know how she how it did that um oh. she the, the alligator was pulled from lake prospect like um a prospect park in new york oh yeah um, yeah sort of a pond really but yeah i guess big, i guess big, so never it's never kind of a big there. pond yeah and there was an so alligator she, in it that they don't belong there <laughs> Well, apparently that what the article was saying is that um, um, it's illegal, of course, to have an alligator, but people get them and it's just abandoned. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, nearly 15 feet long. Um, she should be weighing five pounds. She weighs, she should be weighing 35 to, I believe, 15 to 35. And she's rest, she is being tube fed. Because Aww. she's lethargic and she can't, you know, she can't eat very well. So well, let's hope that she can pull through. It's just well, too bad. She, th- if she has, if she has a bathtub stopper in her, yeah. that would explain why she can't eat very well. I'm kidding. Thing. I, I guess so. I Are they trying to she, take that out? Like, I, I, would I guess they, they must have. I, I must have. Okay. That they didn't say, but yeah, you would assume that they either did or are trying to take it out. Yeah. Hopefully this is well, post-surgery. Okay. Gosh. You know, it it, it 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 kind of boggles the mind that somebody would, would have an alligator and then decide they didn't want it anymore and leave yeah. it in a park in New York. I mean, they're not exactly native to mm. uh, New York parks. And, 
you know, to expect that it would do well is is poor old thing. So I have mean, they, yeah, they, they brought it to a zoo, have they? They brought yeah. it to the Bronx Zoo. Yeah, they oh. brought it to a zoo, the Bronx Zoo or yeah. a zoo. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, well, the human beings who end up having to take care of messes that we've made. Right. People have made. Uh, yeah. I, I know that Tiger King is a touchy subject for a lot of people, but just saying, when I watched that series on Netflix, I learned so much about the same kind of thing where people just grab hold of tigers or lions or other, you know, wild feline species that don't belong as pets yes. and then end up abandoning them or, you know, say, oh, well, that didn't work out. And just they're found everywhere. Yeah. It's so well, unfortunate. I mean, apparently Rouge Park, which is the largest urban park, I believe, in Canada, it's, in, it, it's just the outskirts of Toronto, they're having a real problem with people dumping pets of all yes. sorts, and really? it, it even even including goldfish. But they're you know puppies, kittens, um, you know uh, rodents of various kinds, and people mm. you know people will adopt an animal and then decide they don't want it anymore and just take it to a park and leave it. That it's sounds terrible. It's really it's terrible. terrible. And and I mean, the dog in your story was found in a dumpster. I mean, yeah, that's who, who um, does that? Yeah, yeah after criminal, all the abuse, criminals. Criminals. Yeah. Criminals. And just I mean, the, the simplest question, right? Like, after we domesticate these animals, how do we expect them to survive on their own out there? Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you if you can't take care of a pet, please don't get a pet. Yeah. Also, well, we some of these are not pets. Yeah. yeah. No, the alligator. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, I because it swallowed a bathtub plug, I kind of wondered if they were keeping it in the bathtub. Yeah, I mean, wonder. That yeah. would, or, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a nasty surprise oh, when you get up in the morning? Oh, gee, look what's in the bathtub. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. I wondered, yeah. like, if that was littering or how it got a hold of that. I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, uh, alligators end up anywhere, everywhere, right? Like, just in, in yeah, places where they are. They, I didn't think they did, but apparently, I, I thought they were restricted to Florida, but I learned something. They are. <laughs> But you know, there there's always been this myth that they live in the New York uh, sewers because oh. the, you know, and, and I don't think it's true. At least I don't think it's true. I hope it's that, not that people will get you know cute little baby alligators that are a few inches long uh, for their uh, aquarium, and then they just keep growing and growing oh, and growing. Oh my gosh! And they solve that by flushing them down the toilet. Oh. Uh, and if they survive, they live in the sewers now. I'm not sure that's a true story. It sounds pretty apocryphal to me, but you know, I, it, at least it's warmer in the sewer than it would be out in the, you know, Prospect yeah. Park. In, but, yeah, yeah, right. But poor thing, poor thing <laughs> for real, Billy. Yeah. These were, I guess, these qualify as Friday stories, but oh, yeah, I think they do. Yeah, they're, they're, they're oh, yeah. good happy endings. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully happy ending <laughs> for the alligator. Just saying. Hmm. Thanks, Billy. Catch Thanks you next so week. Uh, have a Later good weekend, week. Billy. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bill Shackleton joining us to wrap up the first hour of Kelly and Rumia Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. In the next hour of the show, Ryan Huey is joining us for the Chatty Bookshelf. We're talking about Be Report Your Bug Here. It's a book. We're uh, joined by the author and the narrator of the book. Also, we're commenting on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. It's our reflection, reflection segment. But after the break, Susan Kearney is joining us for gardening, talking specifically about how we can prep our indoor plants as they wake up from their winter slumber. We'll be right back. 
Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.